0: But during that conversation, uh, it is focused around what's working and what's not working. And my two key questions are: number one, what can I be doing better? And number two, what obstacles can I remove for you to be successful? And it takes a lot of courage to ask somebody what you what you could be doing better.
1: Welcome to CEO on the Go Welcome to this super special episode of CEO on the Go. You know, every time I say special episode, that means I have a guest on the show, right? But I'm calling this one a super special one because I got to have a conversation with one of my favorite people, one of my longtime clients who I know very well. I've worked with her and her firm in different capacities over the years, working on consulting projects, one-on-one coaching and, and group coaching or masterminding. Her name is Kelly Todd, and I've enjoyed the professional relationship and friendship we've shared over a a really long period of time. I've seen her journey over the years as she's moved from expert in her field to now president and CEO of her firm, Forensic Strategic Solutions. Forensic Strategic Solutions is a national financial investigation firm that specializes in analyzing the interrelationships between people, events, and data within financial records. So they work with businesses and organizations across different sectors, including law firms and legal entities, insurance companies, banks, accounting firms, government agencies, and corporate stakeholders. I encourage you to check out their website at forensicstrategic.com. And if you're interested, you can reach out to Kelly directly at forensicstrategic.com. Their services include fraud examination, investigative financial consulting, litigated business valuation. Forensic technology and accounting malpractice. So, as you might imagine, they stay quite busy. So, I thought I would do my own investigative work, asking Kelly questions about her personal journey to the CEO role. And she shares a wide range of insights and lessons. And and although she's relatively new to the CEO role, she brings extensive leadership insights that will be of value no matter where you are on your own leadership path. I think you'll enjoy hearing about her journey, some of the challenges she's had to overcome, and how they're now navigating the virtual world of work. The firm is now operating completely virtually. Of course, Kelly has deep expertise and experience in her field, but I know Kelly as a smart, clear thinker, incredibly capable, driven, goal-oriented person and leader who's committed to growing herself and the firm and the people she leads, as she'll explain. Enjoy my conversation with Kelly Todd. Kelly, welcome to CEO On The Go podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, as we talked about to have somebody who I've known for such a long time and have had the pleasure of working with, um, there is so much that we could talk about, but I've just been so impressed with the trajectory of your career. Um, like I said, I'm so honored to, to kind of witness it and be a small part of it. So there's, there's a lot that we can talk about, but just thought that I would say how excited I am to have someone who I've known for so long to have it's a conversation. Known today. and worked with for so long. And known and worked with. Yes. So so let's talk about that because it was so many years ago when we met and first began working together. And then just recently, uh, you were named CEO of your firm. So if you could talk about what the trajectory looked like, was there some kind of turning point when you decided that you could see yourself in CEO role or was that a goal? Then and as well, just a little background about your firm as well.
0: Yeah. So, was it a goal? I, I will say this: I set an intention probably 20 years ago, at least 20 years ago. Uh, I didn't really know that it was to be a CEO, but it was definitely leadership. It was something that that when I set out to do something, I want to go a long way with it. And so, I set an intention. Uh, you know, it it eventually turned into a goal. And then it wasn't really until about the last two years that I actually saw that, you know, I could see the true vision of sitting in that seat um, and everything seemed to click. And I saw it in myself. I think that others around me saw it, Um, you know, it was a very interesting,
1: interesting time. Was there something specifically that created the shift for you, Um, like a moment or it just seemed to kind of organically happen? You know, I think that it was it was a couple of things. One, there was
0: there were there you know there are times. Obviously, over that twenty years, uh, you know, there were a lot of twists and turns. There were a lot of successes. There were a lot of failures. There were you know just a lot of lessons learned. And I would say probably five to seven years ago, I started questioning just some things and exactly where I wanted to go. And so I I took on a number of of commitments um, that I learned a lot of lessons from. I mean, not just you We're know gonna talk
1: about those, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but not only was I operating, it, you know, a successful forensic accounting practice, but I took on uh, an adjunct professor role where I was teaching fraud examination, and my husband and I started a business that required an astronomical amount of my time and what happened was i was i was just spread entirely too thin you know when i undertook all of those things i it was it was great fun i enjoyed every one of them and i thought that i could be successful at all of them and it turned out that it just it, it was it was crushing me and i wasn't great at any one of them and it wasn't until i made the decision to Pair everything back, and focus purely on my passions and my talent. And once I I peeled everything away and focused strictly on my firm and my business of forensic accounting, that it it all changed. It all took off. And as I continue to peel things back, it's it's amazing um, how much more I am able to focus on not only myself and the firm but everyone else in the firm and helping them be successful. It's just, it's been an incredible last two years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Have uh, much more of a singular focus compared to where I've seen you be uh, in the past. (laughs) But, you know, I, I often say, I think it takes going through that experience though, to develop the clarity and uh, you know, commit, or in your case, maybe recommit to, to a goal that really does make more sense for you. So um, good. You're at such a good place now. Um, you and I have talked a bit about the emphasis that you place and that your firm places on culture and values. So I, I love talking to, to CEOs and other executives about that topic to, to hear firsthand why they care about it, what they do about it. So if, if you could just share what you're doing, what's working in that area, and, and you know, how you're developing your values and using them, I think that would be really helpful.
0: Yeah, I think that there are, there are three key things for us from a culture perspective. Um, the first one is that we're, we're really all, all of us, and, and right now there are, there are 12 of us in the firm, but we are on a, a growth path to hopefully within the next um, eight years to be triple the size that we are right now. Yeah. So to do that, obviously, um, we we are rallied all around the same things. Really a core focus, a set of core values. And then we also all know what the goals are for the next one, three, and 10 years. And all of those things together allow us all to row in the same direction. And that's just been really critical for us for us all to know and understand um, where it is that we're going and why. You know the the core focus helps us to understand, What the business excels at and and to stay focused in one area. And then the core values just really help define who we are as an organization. And then, of course, the one, three, and 10 years just helps us know where we're going. And then, you know, the second thing is, and I think, and I have heard from pretty much everybody in our firm how appreciative they are of this but that is that everyone has a voice you know there are no employees at the table when we sit to meet you know everyone has a seat at the table and everyone has a voice and they know that it's safe to use their voice and then really the third thing is that these messages we we consistently communicate them. And we we really live in a 90-day world. We actually have a state of the company address every 90 days that shares that communicates these messages very clearly and then also communicates our financial progress uh, towards the goals that we have set. So we're very transparent with all of our financial information. And um, we find that our team is very appreciative of, of that and been very helpful.
1: Yeah, I know you all have worked hard to accomplish that. When you talked about values, I know in a previous conversation with me, you mentioned that you're really putting values first, almost like over skills or expertise in, in some way. So how does that work when you're bringing in new talent or looking at um, you know, engaging people with your firm in some way? What's What's the screening process or what does that look like?
0: Yeah. So, so first, our core values really s- help set the expectations that we hold ourselves accountable to.
1: Like, what would be an example of just one of the core values?
0: First core value is to be collaborative. So we, as a firm, value collaboration. We are all focused on collaboration. Um, you know, the second is to be humbly confident. And I could go down the list. There are five okay. of them. No, I was just um, like, I'm, I'm happy to have one. <laughs> So. But but they're just words and phrases that we use that guide us you know, in our hiring process, in our firing process, in choosing the clients that we work with. I mean, they just are our filter for the decisions that we make. And I think one of the things that is so positive for us is that we don't just live these values in our business. We also live them from a personal standpoint as well, and it, it's funny. Once we we really focused on what these core values are and and put them in writing and constantly communicate them, uh, that it became so crystal clear that we had the right people. They all authentically live, eat, sleep, and breathe those core values. From the hiring perspective, we have turned away a number of technically proficient people, but that they just didn't authentically share those values. And it wasn't that they weren't great people. It was just that they didn't belong in our culture. And so, you know, we've made we've made difficult decisions and we've turned away clients for the same reason.
1: Yeah, that's a bold move, but it really does save so much headache and pain. And oftentimes, you know, it affects a uh, financial issues everything so i'm I'm so glad that you all are so good at doing that on the front end. Um, you're also really good at navigating this new virtual world you have recently uh, decided that that your firm will be completely virtual right yes. yes. And so that's that's a big move. And I'm sure people listening would want to know, how are you doing that? How's it going? What's working? <laughs> <laughs> well, so. you, you are correct. I mean, we completely embraced the virtual world.
0: We were pre-COVID, 50% of our firm was already working remotely because we hire experts wherever they are. It doesn't matter. We know we can't find all of the right experts for our work. Um, we're a niche forensic accounting practice, and we we know that we're not going to find them all in Birmingham, Alabama. So we have people in a number of cities, and so half of them were working remotely to begin with, but it was the shift during the pandemic that took the the people that were in the Birmingham office home that really made us realize that we were shortchanging the people who were working remotely before. So it helped us to refine how we were working virtually. And we've obviously, we struggled a little bit at first with policies around working hours and that sort of thing, but we really moved it more away from policy and more towards best practices for the best hours in a day or of the week to find all of your team members to where they're able to collaborate going back to that first core value and when they will be available. I think the flexibility that not just the virtual world provides from from a working perspective, but also the flexibility of going from more of a rigid Process or policy to a best practices has allowed everybody. Again, it goes back to the seat at the table. Um, to we we've had no issues. You know there are there are some challenges, and and I think one of my concerns right now is is that as the world is moving back to some sort of normalcy, or some people are, and some people are headed back to the office, we need to be cognizant of the impact that might have on our clients. Is there going to be something that holds us back or some uphill challenges because our clients go back to the office, but we don't? So,
1: Yeah. Wow. That's so good. And I know that you recently had uh, an offsite to bring people together in person that went really well. So what do you attribute that success to apart from the fact that probably they were so eager to see each other in person, but th- there were some things that you did though, I know, to, to kind of pave the way and make sure that it was set up for success. So what, what do you think made the most difference in terms of how you planned for that and executed that? There were a number of
0: things. First, I think the the first thing was that we actually hired five people during the pandemic, a couple of which we never met in person. So we all met in January in, in St. Petersburg, Florida. The, retreat revolved around not just getting to know each other and say hello, but also just getting to know each other personally. So, we went through a number of exercises. We did have a business meeting, um, but we also spent a significant amount of that meeting time getting to know each other and asking. I asked a a number of questions that um, showed vulnerabilities, things that allowed us to get to know each other much better. And at the end of the retreat, I polled everyone as, as to what they enjoyed the most. And it was sharing these things about themselves and learning other things about others, the pointed questions, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm. Who they are as people, not necessarily all the work-related stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Good. And that was two days, did you say? Yes, it was two days. Yeah, that's a good time frame. Good. Well, I know that there's so many lessons that you've learned along the way on your journey. And so I was curious to know what, what stands out for you if you were to reflect on moments that have either taught you something that might be helpful to other leaders like you who are on the path to step into CEO role, or they may have already been in the CEO role, but just kind of what you've learned that you might uh, reflect on that might be valuable to consider.
0: Yeah, I think the number one thing for me is to be vulnerable and to let others see me be vulnerable.
1: Like in what way? Can you give an example of how that's shown?
0: Yeah, I yeah, I would say um I have a what's known as a quarterly conversation with every employee in the firm on a quarterly basis and it is just that it is a conversation. It is not a performance review. I don't take notes while we're talking. Um, I don't prepare for it. It is literally a conversation that they know that they have me for one hour. It is, unfortunately, in our virtual world, it is on camera, but we try not to be in the office, if you will, when we have that conversation. Um, some of them are in person, and I'm going to try to do them more frequently in person, even with people that are, are outside of my, my area. But during that conversation, it is focused around what's working and what's not working. And my two key questions are, number one, what can I be doing better and number two, what obstacles can I remove for you to be successful? And it takes a lot of courage to ask somebody what you what you could be doing better. But they embrace it. And I've I have had a lot of very good feedback. And I just find it that it's critical um, to be vulnerable in that way. And I think it's very much appreciated.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're putting the focus on you and what you can do as opposed to evaluating performance or. Coaching them, so um, yeah, I think it takes a little of both. But those are those are great questions to ask.
0: Yeah, and then really the second thing, I mean, and trailing right on that with that quarterly conversation is, you know, once you ask those questions, is to sincerely listen and listen not just for what they say, but what's also not being said or how it's being said, and and following through um, with that. I have just found those those to be incredibly helpful tools.
1: Yeah. Um, And that's really generous too with, with the time that you're devoting to that. You said an hour person, so that's significant. It's not just a quick five-minute. How are you doing? No. Tell me what's no, going it's on. Not. Kind of <laughs> conversation. So, yeah, that's um, amazing, and I think exemplifies the the movement of of leadership right now to to focus more on the human being, to be more of yourself, to show more of your human side. So, those are, those are great examples. Any other lessons that you've learned? Something that you may have experienced that may have been a special challenge that you've worked through. There's so many to choose from, I'm sure, but something that you may have found to be difficult, but on the other side, it showed you that, oh, you know, this is easier than I thought or any takeaway from, from a specific challenge.
0: Yeah, I I would say that the number one challenge that I have always faced is I am a tried and true introvert, and I have had to work over the years, you know, be very focused about it and to come out of that. And so as part of that introversion part, going and having those quarterly conversations or coming away from my desk or um, having a difficult conversation, that sort of thing, have been challenging. But, you know, kind of going back to our working together, I think one of the most wonderful ways, I mean, there's a million wonderful ways that that you have helped me and supported me over the years. But, you know, working through having difficult conversations and going in and um, seeing myself with my armor on knowing exactly what it is that I want to come away from the from the conversation with, or what it is that I want to achieve. And as scary as those things are, or have been, I've always walked away from them being amazed at how easily I was able to have the conversation and um, be successful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's so easy to get yourself all stirred up, anticipating uh, a difficult conversation, and and yeah, to your point, sometimes when you just jump in, or you you learn to trust yourself. I think over time that that you can handle it. It does take some practice. I also think you're really playing to your strengths as an introvert by listening so much. You know, that's what introverts are often known for is being good listeners. So you're you're really playing to your strengths, I would think, in that regard with the conversations that you talked about before, the one-on-ones. So, you've also, you said, done some teaching and spe- I know speaking in front of groups, you and I have both been um, involved in the National Speakers Association. So, how are you able to do that, you know, as an introvert to to speak? <laughs> hold the it's room. So, it's so funny. Let me let me say this,
0: that when I was encouraged by my mentor, Ralph Summerford, of course, whose place I have taken as, as CEO and president of the firm, uh, he highly encouraged me to get up and speak. And again, to get out and do that for me was horrifying the first time. You know, I I told him I looked him in the face after after I successfully got through the first one. I said, you know, had you told me ten years ago that I would be doing this, I would have laughed you out of the room. It would just have never happened. I'm the girl who I avoided speech class at all costs and at UAB, where I graduated with my accounting degree, you had to take speech. And I don't know how I did Painful. it, but I, I did not take it. Oh, <laughs> and I, don't, and so I
1: graduated. Like, yes. And you're such a
0: rule follower. How did that happen? I, I have no idea, Gail. That's just how much of an introvert I was okay. at the time. Um, but, you know, I forced myself to get out and do those things that were terrifying. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. And it also, you know, I haven't really talked much about my business, but I'm really in the business of um, niche practice of forensic accounting, which ultimately what that means is it's the accounting for matters in dispute, which means that everything we do is an anticipation of litigation. And what that also then means is that we testify as expert witnesses. And, you know, you've got to have some thick skin um, to put yourself in, in that place and to testify to your opinions and, and that sort of thing. And so all of these things, speaking and getting up in crowds and, and speaking and joining uh, the National Speakers Association and moving forward in that way um, was critical to my growth. And it's something that I have embraced, and you know there are a lot of people now that would not believe that I was an introvert, but um, I can assure you I am.
1: Oh, yeah, (laughs) I can vouch for that. Yeah, (laughs) like I said, known you for a long time, seen so much growth. So I know that given the nature of the work that you do, it's confidential, and you you can't talk a lot about the cases that you work on. But I would love to hear what you're most excited about. From a CEO perspective, as you're looking, you know, toward the future, what the horizon looks like, what it is that that you would say, you know, I'm really fired up about this or the direction that we're heading in. So, not asking you to reveal anything in confidence, of
0: course. Oh no, 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 I wouldn't do that. Um, But what I am absolutely most excited about is the growth plan that we have for the firm, and what that allows us to do is strengthen our bench, if you will, and And allow us, we we a lot of times because we're expert witnesses, meaning it it ultimately lands to one person to be the expert that goes and testifies. We have analysts that that help us with our work and do a lot of the work. And then it's the and then we send off the person to go testify. The growth that we have, and like I said, we're looking to grow to three times employee size um, within the next eight to 10 years, but we'll be able to strengthen ourselves so that our clients have a wide range of options from a testifying expert's perspective. Also, my number one goal, and, and I think everybody in my firm has heard me say this more than once, is to help all of them be as absolutely successful as they can possibly be in whatever way they measure success in in their role within the firm. And so by growing, we will also be able to grow other leaders. And, you know, they can all be whatever it is they want to be within the firm. Love that focus. Good.
1: Well, any final tip or piece of advice for leaders that really, you know, want to to grow themselves and their business? I say hands down, work with
0: an executive coach. You know, do not be afraid of coaching. You know, Gail is part of the work that I have done with you has been, you know, in a mastermind group. And I don't, how long have we had this one group? 12 years? At least. Yes. You know, it provides a safe place to have conversations uh, about challenges that we're having as um business owners as leaders as managers you know as i've already mentioned you know having difficult conversations and that sort of thing but it's a safe space to have those conversations and test things out it's just been completely invaluable to me and i i think that there are too many people are too afraid to go that path and to seek help to get better at whatever it is they want to do
1: yeah. I, well, you know me. I totally see it as a strength. That kind of decision shows you're serious about taking charge of of your leadership and your life and your business at the same time. So I appreciate all that I've learned from you in the process because it's been just a great ride that continues. You know, now that you're at this new level with new opportunities, so I wish you all the best. And uh, can't wait to see where you go next in, in your own quiet, unique way, right? That's right. Because um, you're really leading it so beautifully and uh, are off to such a, a strong start. So there's only good to come. So thank you so much for joining me, Kelly. Thank you. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah. And for everyone else listening in, I hope you have a a wonderful rest of the week, growing yourself, growing your business and doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.